0: Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. And today I'm sitting in Orlando, Florida with one of my very good friends in the consumer goods industry, Doug Rammel. Doug, thanks for jumping on the podcast. Justin, it is, uh, it's a pleasure to spend time with you anytime. Yeah. Well, we've been trying to do this one for over a year, I know. And <laughs> the problem is, we never don't see each other that often. But uh, Doug and I have known each other for, gosh, it's been over 10 years now. Probably. Um, we first met when I was at Coca-Cola and you were at Adidas and I Reebok. Was, yeah. Well, actually, I was at Reebok because R- Adidas had not bought Reebok yet. Ah, interesting. Okay. So when we were involved in the consumer goods industry together, we actually met through an organization called Consumer Goods Technology. And here we are Uh, 2018, sitting at their League of Leaders event, and we're both part of the executive council with CDT. Exactly. So it's very, very cool. Uh, Doug's got an amazing background, though. Um, He's been in big companies, and he's now in the startup space, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. But let's start with my first question, Doug. (laughs) How do you go from undergrad in philosophy from University of Toledo, uh, MBA in healthcare management from University of Michigan, and now working on a PhD in philosophy. So how do you go from that to even working in consumer goods? <laughs> well, actually what's interesting is I've
1: probably lived about at least three careers in that <laughs> process. Okay. But um, the original idea was uh, I majored in philosophy because I fell in love with it. I was a biomed engineering major. Ah, I almost did that at Georgia Tech, did but you? I went industrial. And so I, I went to Toledo to play football. It is football. Uh, I was quarterback on the football team.
0: I had no idea. You didn't know that? Oh my God.
1: Absolutely. My, the fun fact for today <laughs> 10 years later. Jeez. And so uh, I was a tackling dummy. So, you know, my, <laughs> my one claim to fame is that Deion Sanders' first interception in college was one of my passes.
0: What at Florida State, at right? Florida State. Oh my God. He, I went to all the Florida State games. He was a up.
1: freshman. And even then, no one, no one knew. He was a very highly regarded recruit, but. He, no one knew him as Neon Dion because he hadn't made his, you know, hadn't made his point yet. But, Absolutely. Um, and so then I made the mistake of taking a philosophy course, fell in love with philosophy, switched my major. Got it. Called my dad and explained to a computer science guy that I was <laughs> going to become a philosopher, <laughs> and so he promptly said, well, "Who the hell's going to pay you to, you know, sit on the mountain and think?" Right. Um, but I picked up minors in biology, chemistry, and physics, and got was it. going to med school. That's what wow. I was going to do. Um, you were going to go to med school. I got applied it. to med school, got in. Early decision, and then realized um, between the summer of my junior and senior year in college that I didn't want to be a doctor, and it was always about proving I could be a doctor if I wanted to right. and so then I was kind of lost, Um, ended up writing political speeches.
0: Wow. Um, How did you, where did that come from?
1: Well, I had gotten involved in student government in the University of Toledo, and was on the 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 board of trustees. And it just so happened that Jim Ruvolo, who was the chair of the Democratic Party in the state of Ohio, was also on the board of trustees. He also happened to be the state Democratic Party chair for the national party. Got it. And so he set me up with a program at Georgetown and wow. I wrote speeches and went to grad school, started grad school.
0: <laughs> so and you're going to be a doctor. <laughs> then you get political speeches going. You're not going to be a doctor. Exactly. And then I
1: come back to Ohio got married. My wife said, uh, she was an accountant. So she said, you have to get a real job. <laughs> and so I went to grad school. <laughs> oh, and, I, nice. and so was, there was this special MBA program at yeah, the University if, of Michigan in right. the School Go of Public Blue. Health. Go Blue. And, um, and so consequently, I, she lived in Toledo. So I moved back to Toledo and um, I could drive back and forth to Ann Arbor and went there and then was recruited from there to the Cleveland Clinic. Um, so worked there in healthcare management and policy. And uh, it started actually. What's funny is one of the projects that I worked for, uh, Frank Lordeman was the chief operating officer. And we started valuing and buying physician practices in hospitals. Oh, wow. Putting together the regional so health system. So a little bit of
0: mini VC at that time. Exactly. Got it. And,
1: um, and then um, I got recruited from there to Peoria, Illinois to okay. uh, run a neuroscience center, build a neuroscience center. Um, and then the docs uh, developed some really good friends in Peoria. One of my buddies got recruited to be the COO of what was then Logo Athletic in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, So he then convinced me to come down to Indianapolis and join him there as CIO and head of strategic planning. And and then Logo got bought by Reebok, and then Reebok got bought by Adidas, and the rest is kind
0: of history. Wow. And, you know, I think lesson learned, lesson number one on this podcast is you just never know, right? Life can take you into lots of different there's lots of different ways. I mean, you start off philosophy, then you're going to go to grad school. Then you're a CIO, which, oh, by the way, on the technical side. And then you're you're in the VC world. And then you, I know just you as a person enjoy juggling a lot of balls, too. So I, I know that's a common theme. But so how did you get to Adidas and Reebok? So Logo got bought by Reebok. And got so it. as part of that transaction, I moved up into
1: the uh, IT structure within uh, Reebok. And so Peter Burroughs was the CIO at the time. And so I reported into Peter. And then, as uh, it became clear that something was going to happen at Reebok, um, Adidas came in and bought out Reebok. And so I then got put in charge of there were seven different divisions within Adidas and Reebok, all in North America, well, all in the Americas, that all did sports licensed apparel. And so I then merged those seven companies, ran that project. Oh,
0: wow. Very um, cool. To merge Very those cool.
1: seven companies into what's now called the sports license. That, Division. That'd be a
0: whole podcast in itself, right? Merging all those companies uh, together. <laughs> it was,
1: well, you know what? It was a, supposed to be a two year project, turned <laughs> into, it was 18 months. Oh, wow. And we okay. literally were on a round robin travel trip from <laughs> Indianapolis to Boston, Boston to New York, New York to Montreal, Montreal to Toronto, Toronto to Portland, Oregon, right. Portland, Oregon, back to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and then back to Indianapolis.
0: Yep. and wow. I had
1: young kids, and so I would you know, come back after about two weeks and would basically crash all weekend because I was exhausted. <laughs> My kids really weren't sure who the heck I was, and, um, but the project got done and was really successful. It nice. came in a couple million dollars under budget and all that good stuff. So then Adidas came to me and said, hey, we want you to be on the global CIO track. Wow, um, we're going to move to Portland, Oregon. You're going to own all of sales and marketing, IT for great the city. Really cool city. Really cool. And then we were going to go to we were going then to Kuwait, and then we were going wow. from there to the Far East. And then, if assuming everything went well, I'd then come back to Germany.
0: Sounds like a definite yes. And oh. then, and I said, you know
1: what? This is not what I came here for. <laughs> yep. I came to work for a 150 million dollar company. Right. And now you're asking me to start globally traveling for a 15 billion euro company. Right. I don't want to be global CIO, and they said, "Huh? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> what?" <laughs> I will never forget the, the lovely lady in HR going, "But Doug, Doug, no one, no one leaves Adidas. Adidas. And, that's and right. I, was, and I forgot she said, about that." We have that. no plan B for you, and I said, uh, "Well, I have a plan B." Right. And so I took the severance package that I had negotiated for everybody else that got caught in the wash, and jumped <laughs> out, and was unemployed for about uh, six weeks. Wow, and, and then at that point, um, my phone started ringing, and idly enough, first couple companies I got involved with were as a consultant, and then um, those then turned into you know six month gigs, and then I ended up becoming an investor, and and suddenly ten years later now um, I'm a venture capitalist.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I remember watching you go through all of this and thinking when that happened I thought oh you'll be like most of our other friends in the industry who take a couple of weeks off a month or two and then and say they're going to take a lot of time off and then land in another big you know consumer goods or retail company another high you know high flying IT role but no I mean you didn't just jump into the startup and VC space I mean you've stuck with it it's grown it's evolved so what's been the driver of that for you personally well
1: you know the funny thing is is growing up um, both my grandfathers started their own businesses, and, and I grew up on a farm. So from that standpoint, the idea of working for yourself entrepreneurship, having that yep. flexibility is probably somewhat written into my DNA. Um, but I think the other thing is, is I was very fortunate in terms of my timing, right? So when I jumped out in 07, 07 08, um, obviously the economy started to head downward. There were a lot, of po- a lot of folks looking for consulting help. There were a lot of companies struggling, And so i was able to kind of move into the first couple things and then there there was an explosion of innovation that really happened out of that 2008 trough Um, a lot of people who had been in bigger companies and then jumped out and formed stuff and then um, and then the whole kind of um, entrepreneurial um, sphere really started to grow and and i found my way basically i would built a whole lifetime of contacts that i'd never really used for anything. Absolutely. Um, and suddenly i had i had this network that i could call on for lots of solutions.
0: So that's was, pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, i mean it's it to your point it's been very organic. And so <laughs> i literally had my 25th reunion at the University of Michigan last last week, 2 weeks ago. And so i came back and spoke on the alumni panel, right? And of course i was the only venture capitalist. Monique was up there. You guys should have hooked up and met up. Well, well you know, that would have been awesome. But yeah. what was funny was so the I got introduced by one of my one probably one of my greatest professors um, and he said you know it's I have to say it's really kind of funny that the former president of the Young Socialist Club <laughs> is now a venture capitalist Doug Ramble The
0: Young <laughs> Socialist Club <laughs> oh, Well that would be another podcast to talk about that one <laughs> That would be that would be um, all right so you're in the startup world and a lot of our listeners are in the entrepreneurship space so look I Talk, just uh, mention some of the companies you're involved with, and then let's dive into the tequila company. So, uh,
1: and it ranges from everything. I have a technology companies uh, like one's called uh, uh, Senseo, which uses for data cleanup and uh, um, data conversion and all the kinds of things that go wrong when you convert systems. Um, another, it's DigBridge, is a digital video platform, um, kind of the inter- internet 3.0 kind of deal, and um, I own a, st- or I'm part of a tequila company yeah, so we're going to talk dough, about that in a minute um uh, which is based out of Denver Colorado yep. um and that's probably one of my more active uh investments right now um and then you know several other uh, the Finger. Um, <laughs> we have a, actually, we've had a couple of successful. The Bike exits. Company was the bike. We, well, right. that, that was uh, the National Moto and Cycle. And <laughs> yep. That kind of died its death. We finally had to shoot it the other day. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but another and, podcast. And, and, and that's another <laughs> right. podcast. Talk about lessons learned. <laughs> right. Um, don't invest in a crazy founder, but that's the one. <laughs> um, and then finally, uh, well, and then we've had Seat um, uh, Tech, which we sold to Backjoy. And so it's Very now cool. growing nicely out of you know out of uh, Boulder, Colorado. So
0: all right, so I, I figured what we could do is talk, pick one of those, and I, of course the the easy and fun one is the tequila company, Suavacito, and um, talk about the business and where it is today and where it's come from and your role in yeah. the business. We're
1: we're a couple million dollars annually in sales. We're in six states. Um, we've had a couple fits and starts. Um, you know, again, another kind of crazy founder that we have to manage from afar, <laughs> um, but. I think what really is cool, um, it was quite honestly, it was a lark. So I was, I was raising money for a venture fund and we had a bourbon and scotch tasting at a steakhouse. And so a buddy of mine calls me on my way to the dinner and says, hey, how do you, you know, would you invest in a tequila company? I said, hell no. Absolutely right. not. Right. Because I used to bartend and at my 24th birthday, I still don't remember <laughs> and tequila was very much in the middle Involved of all of, that. of it. So I could, had not tasted it <laughs> since, right? Uh, and, um, and I made the mistake of telling him where I was going, so he shows up at the bar with the founder of the company and a bunch of bottles of tequila. Wow! So the bar manager comes up and he's like, Mr. Rammel, this is a little audacious. And I, I, I dude, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, because you, you bought a bourbon scotch tasting from me for 25 people, and now you're bringing your own tequila? You can't do that. Wow. And I said, what tequila are you talking about? And of course, my buddy's sitting over in the corner with bottles of tequila, so- Nonetheless, by the end of the night, we had brought seven investors into the tequila company. Wow! We raised money for the fund too, by the way, but Got it. I get home and my wife's like, how'd the dinner go? I said, well, it was successful. And she goes, you sound a little trepidatious. And I said, "Well, <laughs> I kind of invested in another company too." <laughs> and she's like, you didn't even like. Oh, tequila. by the way, <laughs> what are you talking about? So, but we're in the we're in a process right now. We're going to probably grow well about double in size over the next year. Um, we've identified some couple key national partners, um, and then which um, is key
0: for distribution, right? Absolutely.
1: Well, the, the tequila business. What's beautiful about the tequila business is that it's a specialty spirit. All right. It has okay. to be certified by the Mexican Tequila Commission in order to be legally imported in the United States. Got it. So you, there's a lot of barriers to entry. Um, so you can't just go make your own tequila in the, you know, in the backyard and, and bring it out like you can with other spirits. And that's what you're Got seeing it. with the micro spirit business. Sure. Um, but it's also a um, growing international um, brand or product. Because basically, the middle class around the world is really growing. Sure. And part of defining yourself in the middle class is to buy American products. And to the rest of the world, even though tequila comes from Mexico, they believe it to be an American spirit. Wow. So Perception. it's really kind of funny that you're seeing Russian, you know, middle class Russians right. who don't want to drink their dad's vodka, they want to drink American tequila.
0: Wow, so, very very interesting. There you go. So you've got a couple years in, a couple million dollars now of, of revenue. Like, what is it that will be key to taking it to you know a cool little company, neat idea? To we've got something here that could be sold, that could be really accelerate growth, et cetera? It's all
1: about partnerships, okay. right? It's about partnerships with key investors. It's
0: about partnerships with key distributors. It's
1: partnerships with key establishments and bars and restaurants and liquor stores. What we know we have is we have a really good product. We've won a number of totally. national tastes. We tests. all know
0: because you bring them to all of our events.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Once That's we right. get people to taste it. What's so funny, uh, Bill Little was telling this story again this morning. Mutual cause friend, Because I brought Little. him a yep. bottle last night while he was at dinner. Inevitably, everyone says, oh my God, I can't have tequila because because of. Right. And they have some a horror stories of tequila. <laughs> and then they finally overcome it. They smell it. They chase it. And they're like, oh, wow. I yeah. can drink this. And that's what we find. We were able to convert tequila or non tequila drinkers into tequila drinkers, but we also do incredibly well in the um, authentic Mexican market. So we our biggest sales group is Mexican grocery stores.
0: Wow! And when you go in to any place, including the uh, the hotel where we're sitting right now, I know you pitched them earlier this week. But when you go in and you, what's what's the pitch? Why is your product better? What's 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 my final? If we can get people to taste it. we get them all right got and then it. from
1: then then we we've, we've obviously strategically put our price points we know where we fit in the market we're a sipping tequila we're a higher end sure. tequila um, but we <laughs> make sure versus we're, the shot versus the shot you know <laughs> we're we're not competing with any worms or anything like that <laughs> uh, but we are competing with your good bourbons got and it. your good scotches as well as your sipping tequilas and and so we come in right below that and we become a good value and then it grows from there.
0: Awesome. That's really, really cool. So in, in terms of growth for the business, in terms of in, in partnerships, what's been your strategy around getting the right people on board and kind of managing that whole balance of you, you know, know get sales versus the right. Talent, team.
1: talent, talent. Yeah. I mean it's and, and it, the good news is is I'm fortunate in my career now. I can kind of pick and choose who I work with. Right? Totally. So and and so while I'm always interested in meeting new people and I'm always building new relationships. When I need to bring somebody into a business, by and large, I already have somebody in my Rolodex. No question. That tends to fit that right niche, right? Yep. And, um, and then from there, we're, it's all about having fun, right? Because it, it's- Absolutely.
0: Well, right? And I mean, it's,
1: it, it's a, why it, else do it? it? Well, it's a fun business, right? It's sure. a fun industry. But ultimately, you know, unless you're building friends, you know, that's what this business is about.
0: Sure. I totally agree. Well, and we're sitting here in Orlando. I mentioned earlier at the one of the largest consumer goods industry organizations events called the League of Leaders with consumer goods technology. And uh, you know, you and I met through that. We've been super involved over the years. Uh, you know, for me personally, my reasons for uh, involvement started with I needed to learn the industry. Then it was wow, I really like this industry a lot, and I want to know more people in it. And the ecosystem of technology partners, services partners, etc. Uh, now I'm on the flip side in the services business, obviously here working with clients that it might be here or prospective clients and learning about what, what's new and different. But when you think about your brand and, and your purpose and coming to something like this or being a part of the executive council... How does that play out for you?
1: Well, it's been 16 years. I, know. I mean, that's what's just Jeez. amazing <laughs> to me since I've been involved in this.
0: Yeah. Right, it's 14 it, for
1: me. And originally, it was a lark, right? I came down right. because the, the two senior you guys, guys above that. me didn't want to come, right? Right. And then I came down and was amazed by the quality of the people that were in the audience. No question. And the conversations that were going on at the time. And I, like you, was relatively new to the industry. Right. I had come out of healthcare, which right. is a complicated business, but um, you know, obviously filled with lots of regulations. You, there, there's a lot of structure that you have to operate around, and so it was really an opportunity for me to very much get educated in the business. And, and What was fascinating is I then went back at that point, I had, you know, I was with Reebok, and I can, I can remember going back to our corporate headquarters in Canton, um, in Canton, Mass, and asking questions out of that show that no one could answer, right? And it, suddenly it was like, hold a second. Maybe I'm not as stupid as I thought I was, and you know, or or I found people who can really, really help. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the cool things about this community, um, and I think about CGT, is that it has always created a culture of inclusiveness and support. Um, And so, I mean, I've I've been the guy who kind of wandered in the door and didn't even know why he was here, right, (laughs) looking for someone to
0: shake hands with exactly,
1: and then you know, and then slowly but surely have kind of worked my way through and now serve on panels and all that kind of good stuff. So I think um, it's a great way to give back, but it, at the same time, it's a great way to gain. And I, you know, I've said it, if I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. It's all about the people that you connect to. The, I learn more in the cocktail receptions and the hallway conversations than I do from the formal presentations. And some of that's touching base with people and hearing where they're at, and, but particularly now as an investor. I'm always looking for strategic opportunities, right? And I'm always looking for, um, I'm looking for interesting ideas. And I'm also looking for a sounding board when I think I have something that's interesting. Um, DigBridge is a great example. We just pivoted the company and we're now really focused on the protection of personal communication and data, um, which is going to be, which is big in the healthcare space. It's going to continue to be big in the financial services space. But I think with Facebook, And what we've seen with Cambridge Analytica, you're going to see a whole new immersion of almost a new Internet 3.0 that's really going to be focused on, hey, who's doing what with my data, and how, you know, what does that partnership look like between the end consumer? And I'm hoping that the investment I've made in Digbridge, which is sizable, will put me right in the, you know, right in the playwick of that. And part of the reason I did that is the conversations
0: you and I've had and sure. others have had over here over the years. No question. It's interesting. I interview a lot of entrepreneurs for this podcast and um, inevitably many of them are products companies. In fact, that's, that's a lot of times what I've targeted. And I'm always amazed at the lack of awareness or interest level or like it being a priority to go get involved in some of these industry organizations where you can meet perspective investors, uh, big consumer products companies that might, hey, maybe they're looking for your brand or product, right? Um, retailers that want to sell your product. And I, I find these environments so unique because in one place, you can get access to many types of companies and um, I, I hope that for me that was one of the biggest ahas over the last year year and a half since I launched this podcast is gosh there's just a lack of awareness of which of these organizations to go get involved with right, right? and spend <laughs> right. your time and money
1: well let's be honest all of us have been the grunts on the front lines right, right. And, and you never have enough time to get all the work right. done that you're trying to get done so to take time away from the office you know you always get the feeling that you know it's not should, it's should not I be time spending well it spent, elsewhere right? exactly that investment that's made all the difference in my career. I mean, I I advanced and I succeeded because I was a smarter rabbit,
0: right? Well, and, and you're a good connector wow. and a relationship guy. So I'll bounce us back now to Suavecito. So we've got a lot of entrepreneurs that listen. Um, what have been like two or three of the big lessons learned? And you, I, I'll say you can go beyond Suavecito, but you know, if you're thinking about your the entrepreneurship experience and working with different companies, what are the two or three big things you would tell those listening to think about to think to consider? There's
1: nothing. There's nothing more important than good people, right? I mean, the, particularly when you come from technology, you know, the assessment or the, the assessment always is, if you build it, they will come. Hey, uh, we have such a cool tool or we have such a cool product that people will find it on its own and they'll think it's as cool as I do. Well, what do what you have to realize when you're an entrepreneur and particularly when you're a technology-based entrepreneur, you always love your toy. That's why you built <laughs> That's it in right. the first place, right. right? Other people aren't looking for a toy. No. What they're looking for is a hammer to pound in their nail. And if you <laughs> give them a hammer when they want a screwdriver, right, well, then that makes for a very bad screwdriver. Right? <laughs> sure. Um, and people, by and large, the, the, the major difference between companies succeeding and companies failing are the people. Uh, it's not the product. Everyone thinks it's, a, you know, it's the better mousetrap. No, it's, it's, the people. it's who brought the mousetrap to the market first. You, know, you, you, you study any of the big brands, Apple, Microsoft, their products weren't better when they came to the market, right? But their people- That their people were. found ways to solve the niches, to solve the problem, and thus they captured market share, and then they used that market share to build and improve the product over time. No question. So ultimately, you know, the iPhone was a solution looking, you know, looking for a problem when, when Jobs <laughs> first brought it out. And it wasn't even, what people forget is it wasn't until uh, 18 months later that they even had an app store. That's right. He wasn't going to allow people to put code on his phone. That's right. right. And it was a, you know was someone else's idea to put the app store in place, which now is become the services division of Apple and is by far the fastest <laughs> growing and the highest part revenue. of the country.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's a good first one. So people in terms of getting the right people to help craft the solution or own the product or be out, you know purveying it to the to the industry or to consumers, what would be one or two more? So the second one I would give is that the market never lies,
1: right? Ooh. So
0: whether you like it or not, you put a product in
1: the market, the market will tell you whether it's a good product or not. And you got to listen, right? And sometimes, sometimes the message it's can be brutal. not fun to listen I know. All, sometimes the message can be brutal. I hate that. Um, and timing can be wrong and you can have you know, found the wrong niche. I mean, there's lots of things that can go wrong other than sure. just the product's bad. But you only get one shot going to the market, all right? oh, and then you so gotta, true. And then you got to rebuild it. You might be able to introduce it a second time, but you can't walk away from that first impression.
0: If it's been a bad first impression, it's really hard to fix. It is. It is. Wow. And
1: then I think the third is, is ultimately what people don't necessarily always appreciate that you don't succeed the first time, right? Um, very, very seldomly does anyone you know, get the winning sweepstakes ticket. Right, right, right. And so what's much, much more likely is people have st- tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed. And now all of a sudden they look like an overnight success. because of' has no yeah, Well, because no one sees the 12 failures sure. that happened before it. Sure. Right. And easily see that. You look again at most of the technology companies, most of the things we celebrate as major successes. Um, even um, Sheryl Sandberg and... What's his face, Zuckerberg? At, at, at <laughs> what's his face? The, What's his face at Facebook? <laughs> Who announced earnings today? By the way, right? But no. No. And blew them money out. After blew hour. them out
0: of the water. L- by L- the way,
1: L- not yeah. on sales though. Not on sales, advertising revenue. Absolutely. But um, he had he had two or three different companies that failed prior to him enrolling at Harvard. Right?
0: Nobody even talks about that though. No. It's interesting. Well, of course not, because yeah. everyone wants so to pretend like
1: he came up with this great idea in college
0: and yep. his life's been great ever since. <laughs> so funny. well, Doug. Finally, Dude, thank you so fun. much for coming on the podcast. Thank, Sitting, I'm honored amidst the music and and roar of people around the hotel. Hey, here. And I only
1: cursed like once, once I, or I twice. Know, I was
0: hoping for a few more, but no. <laughs> just kidding. Hey, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.